Hello, and welcome to Birth of Family Church Podcast. We trust that you'll find an encouraging word to strengthen your walk with the Lord. And if you're visiting the area, or if you're looking for a good church home, come check us out at birthedfamilychurch.org. There you can find our location and service times. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless. Amen. Well, I like being at church on the midweek service. It's always a good time. We, we, what we do is we roll up our sleeves and we get into the Word of God. It's more of a teaching atmosphere. And we've been talking about the great plan of redemption. As you recall, way back when, when we started this uh, particular subject matter, we've been talking about areas of our life that we need to be confident in and know as a believer. And that one area is that we need to learn about our redemption in Christ. And so we've been calling this what God has made available to us through redemption. And so go ahead and get your Bibles, and uh, we're going to jump in. I believe the Lord has something to say tonight. Woo-hoo, glory to God. That's where I want to be. I want to be in that place where he's talking. Amen. And I'm going to be a listener. So let's go ahead and, and trust him uh, for utterance. Let's trust him for unction and anointing. Let's trust him for help to hear. Amen. Because we're not necessarily hearing just with our natural ears. We're hearing with the ears of our spirit man, our inner man. So, Father, we thank you tonight for your holy written word. You are the author of this book, and that's why it's so wonderful, because you've imparted your very essence, your very life into this book. It's not in the natural pages, it's in the words that you have spoken from your breath. And when we receive those words, those words that are laced and and, and filled with your life and your revelation and your anointing, that comes into our innermost being. It feeds us, it causes us to grow, and it empowers us to see through your eyes. And Lord, that's going to happen tonight. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, just lift your hand and say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you for imparting your life into me tonight. Woo, I'm going to get something. I'm going to get something. It's going to be good. Amen. Well, just look at somebody and wink at them, and let's jump in. Get your Bibles out. Amen. Get your Bibles out. We're going to go through uh, quite a few scriptures. Uh, If you're really a student, you're going to have what? You're going to have a piece of paper and some kind of a writing device or maybe a tablet. uh, Sometimes when I'm in services... When I'm listening to other ministers, I'll use my iPad that uh, Pastor J.C. Neff gave me. And so just taking notes that way, and it just gives more of your senses that ability to get it on the inside of you. So we've been talking about redemption. We've been talking about the importance of redemption, what it is, and what we receive through redemption. And let's go ahead and rehearse again what this word Uh, redeem or redemption means it it simply means to release or to free someone so if you're releasing someone if you're freeing someone then you know that they had been bound they had been imprisoned to release or to free one through the payment 
of a ransom or a payment of a debt. So redemption is God paying the price for you and I that we couldn't pay ourselves. Hallelujah. Tonight we're going to look at a couple of areas. We're going to talk about why did we need to be redeemed? I mean, is it really necessary? <laughs> why do you have to do that? What was the debt we owed so that we could be assured that it's been paid for? And what is the payment that God made to free us, to redeem us? I want you to go on over to Romans chapter 3, verse 23. And I've, I've really endeavored to make this flow tonight, but it came to me in pieces. So uh, I'm doing my best to get it to make sense as we, as we read these different scriptures and talk about these different things. But how many of you know of the Holy Spirit, who, who's our teacher and our guide, with him at work, it's going to be okay, right? Look here in Romans 3.23, very familiar portion of scripture. Don't let this be something that you say inside yourself, well, I know that. No, there, there's more that we can get from it. Look at this. From the King James, it says, For all have what? Sin. Now, this is talking about humanity. This is talking about every human being. It says, All have sinned, and therefore, because of that sin, it says that we come short of God's glory, or we cannot approach God's glory. And you know God's glory is everything that he is, everything that he has, and all that he could do. Amen? So sin now is that obstacle. Sin is that debt that you and I owe. Now, many times, when you and I hear the word sin, what's the very first thing that we think of? Behavior. Right? So did God come to redeem us from bad Behavior? Well, let's find out. So sin is the debt we owed. Sin is what you and I needed to be redeemed from. We, we needed to be uh, delivered from. We, we need to have God give us that liberty through a payment that he's going to make. And then we're also going to look at, well, what is the sin he's talking about? That, that because I've sinned, I come short of God's glory. I need to identify that to make sure that that sin is addressed. Amen? Commonly defined, the word sin means a disobedience to God. Sin, in, in terms of what does sin mean biblically? It's a disobedience to God. Amen. That was the whole reason for the law, the law of Moses, so that we could recognize when we're disobedient to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, I want you to go back to Genesis. We've been in Genesis quite a bit in the last couple of weeks. Let's say the last four weeks. We're going to go back this week. We want to discover from God through his book what condition did sin create so we can identify what the sin 
is keeping us short and separated from God. Genesis chapter 2, verse 16, you remember when God gave this commandment to Adam, our father. Remember that everything that God had created was good. And he handed the earth over in that condition to both Adam and Eve, right? There was no sin. There was no disobedience. There was no murder. There was no, everything was just, how do you say it? Hunky-dory on the earth. It was literally heaven on earth. But here, God gives Adam a command. I'm in verse 16, Genesis chapter 2. It says that the Lord God commanded the man, that's Adam saying, of every tree of the garden thou may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day or in the moment that you eat thereof, notice the consequences of this disobedience, he says you shall surely Die. Now, we define that. We know that he wasn't talking about physical death. Because after Adam and Eve sinned, transgressed against God, doing what they doing wrong what they what they knew was wrong. Amen. There is a there's there is a sin that you do something wrong that you don't have the, the realization that it's wrong. But they, they did it on purpose as an act of their will. And after they, they sinned, and the Bible says their eyes were opened, they were still alive physically. So they didn't die physically, because obviously they were still on the earth kicking, so to speak. But what happened is, is they died inwardly. They died spiritually. And that's what their disobedience created. That's what their sin created. It separated them from God. So understand this, thou shalt surely die. This sin created death. This sin is a spiritual condition. It's a spiritual condition. And so, therefore... Adam died spiritually. Now, I just mentioned the term spiritually dead. Well, when Adam died spiritually, he still existed as a spirit being. He didn't cease being a spiritual being when he died spiritually. But what happened to him is that the, the life that God had put in his spirit God's life that was in his spirit, it was removed. And so even though he's still an eternal spirit being, he, he is void of God's life on the inside. That caused him to be separated from God. And he was void of God's life, or could we say eternal life. And that has to do with the quality of life. Now he's a fallen being. He's now separated from God. He no longer has access 
in who he is in God, what he has in God, and what he can do through God because now he's estranged or separated from him. Actually, he's now been born into, through spiritual death, a new family. And we'll, we'll look at that in just a moment. Now, this fallen sin condition has been passed down, or dare I say, inherited by every human being. Look here in Romans chapter 5. It was, oh boy. Before I received Jesus as my Savior, I had a real hard time believing or realizing or knowing that I needed a Savior. And the reason was is because I thought I was good enough for God in terms of believing in the Bible, believing that there was a God, believing that Jesus was the Son of God, believing that Jesus hung on the cross for me, believing in all these things, and not to mention my relationship with the church, and, and my mom and dad, you know, I, since, they're, since they're Christians, now I'm a Christian because I'm their child, and after all, they hosed me down when I was like two weeks old. I wore a really cute outfit. I saw the pictures. You know, I got baptized as a baby. I was a beautiful baby from what I've heard, right? And I was baptized. I did all that the church told me. That meant me being baptized, that they would uh, tell us that because of what Jesus said in, in John chapter 3, you must be born again. That happened to me when I got hosed down in baptism when I was two, two weeks old or however old, two months old, however I was. However, however old I was. So I thought I was good enough for God. Now look here in Romans 5.12. It says, Wherefore, as by one man. Now, this one man is the man Adam. And I want us to understand that according to the Bible, therefore it's true, he is the father of humanity. We can all trace our lineage back to Adam. It's something very interesting that I just thought of. My, uh, my sister-in-law, Lorette. Now, yeah, I can say it because I don't think she's watching. My sister-in-law, Lorette. And... Uh, She's born of um, Italian heritage. Both her parents can trace their lineage back to Italy and not too many generations ago. What are you on your dad's side? First generation or second generation? Second generation American, meaning that her father's dad came from Italy. And what about on the Falco side? And so on both sides of the family, just two generations before Lorette and Marianne were born, comes from Italy. Well, Lorette, she got curious about her ancestry. I didn't know why she would be. I mean, I would wonder about me, because I'm like a Heinz 57. I, I came from all sorts of parts of Europe. Uh, 
my, uh, on my dad's side, they've been in America since the 1800s. How boring is that? <laughs> right? <laughs> and uh, his dad, you know, lived in Jersey. So, actually, he was a fireman for in Atlantic City. But anyway, she, she decided that she wanted to, I don't know if it was Ancestry.com, where you, was they send them, you send your blood to somebody. Number one, I'd have a hard time getting over that. But Lorette was really curious. And so she gets the results back. And this shocked me. The, the largest, I, now I may be misquoting, but a, a large portion of her heritage was Jewish. Was it 17%? 18%? And I'm going, Jewish? What? You're, I was going to say, uh, I, was gonna, I, I, was just gonna, I was just going to be racist there, right there. I just, glad I caught myself. You're an Italian, for goodness sake. How could 17 or 18% be Jewish? And what was the other one? Indian. Well, maybe that explains a lot with my wife. I don't know. But why would that be? Because eventually you and I are going to find ourselves back to Adam and his bloodline. And we're all, if we go far enough, will take us back to the garden. So here it says that by one man, this is what got passed down to us. Maybe we should have a talk with him when we get to heaven <laughs> as to what he passed down to us. Couldn't you have passed down a castle or, or something more with substance that I could use down here? No, he gave me what? Sin. And sin entered into the what? The world. Now, we've already rehearsed this. We all understand this from several weeks ago. This is when what God created changed dramatic, drastically, dramatically, right? That which was good, that which was poor, uh, pure, that which was like heaven, then became tainted with sin or a being void of God's life. Years ago, is it okay if we just kind of like that stream that kind of meanders around, you know, that, that winding little stream? I remember years ago, I was thinking about why, when, when, we're, when we're talking about sin, is that how in the world did, did it impact us the way it has on the earth? And since the devil is a, he's a, he's a created being. He's not a god. How could he create all these negative things on the earth. He's just an angel. Well, I found out what sin is. Or this sin condition that you and I have found ourselves a part of before Christ. 
When the devil got kicked out of heaven, he died spiritually. And God's life was removed from him. So everything that that Satan spawned, or the devil, I should keep using the same term referring to him, everything that the devil brought into being on the earth wasn't created. It was just what God had given us, void of life. So you take life out of health and you get sickness. You take life out of an abundant supply and you get poverty. You, you, you take a, a, a human being who's, who's one with God and you take life out of us, now we're in the same state that the devil is and we become a part of his kingdom and no longer God's because we don't have life. So here comes sin. It enters into the world. Notice what's attributed to that sin and death. How come? By sin or disobedience. So we all fell into a place of being spiritually separated from God. And it passed upon all men, therefore, all have sinned. Amen. That's the first step towards Christ our Savior, is realizing that we have a sin condition that we can't change. So sin entered the world through Adam's disobedience, and this sin condition is inherited by everyone, and therefore all have sinned or all have been separated from God. Now this sin condition, being void of God's life, is the only reason that any person leaving this earth would go to the place reserved for those without God's life, hell. H-E-L-L. We can say that in church, right? The word hell. Amen. So, what is hell? It's interesting, I, I, I had a, a young lady come to me not too many years ago, and she, she says, Pastor, I'm not sure that I believe in a place called hell. And I'm going, whoa, <laughs> where did that come from? What, what do you mean you don't believe in a hell? Because the Bible is real clear. There's a, there's a hell to shun and a heaven to gain, right? Heaven to gain, hell to shun. And she says, well, I started doing a study on the word hell, and you know, I couldn't find it that many times in the Bible. It's interesting. Uh, there's a lot of words you can't find in the Bible, but that doesn't mean they, ex they don't exist. Sometimes things are described by the attributes of, of the place. Like hell many times is, is not said that it's hell, but it's a place that, of damnation. It's a place of hell fire or, or you know, things of that nature. A and you see it laced all the way through the Bible. So let's get it. How, how, do, does anyone have a biblical definition of hell? Do you know what hell is? I want you to go to Matthew chapter 25. What, what are we talking about? The only sin condition. It's not a behavior. It's a sin condition. 
That condition of being void of God's life is the only reason for someone going to hell. So here we are in Matthew 25. Go down to verse 41. And this is Jesus speaking. And he's describing what's going to happen when he returns to the earth for the second time. He, number one, is he going to separate all of humanity into two parts. He calls one part those he separates to his right. Those are believers, that's you and I, or those who have received Jesus as their Savior. And then he separates the others to his left, which are unbelievers. The Bible is very clear in the New Testament that there's only two categories of people on the earth. And it's not Baptists and Catholics, okay? It's, it's, believer, it's believers and unbelievers. Amen. And here's Jesus talking to those on his left after he separates humanity. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand. He doesn't have something very nice to say. He says, depart from me. Ye cursed into what? Everlasting fire. Into what? Everlasting fire. That's hell. Do you know a place on earth that has everlasting fire? But we know that under the earth there are places with everlasting fire. I mean, this, 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 this world's still bubbling in the center. Notice what it says. This everlasting fire or this hell is prepared for the devil and his angels. Did you notice it didn't say for human beings? God never, never, never intended for human beings to be in the place that he prepared for the devil and his angels. Or he would have mentioned them. Understand that hell is the place that God prepared for the devil. Isn't that interesting? Now, why would man then go to hell since it's prepared for the devil? That, that, isn't that what you thought of right there when I told you that hell was prepared for the devil and his crowd? Then why would a human being go there? The answer is quite simple. Anyone with a spirit, an inner man that is void of God's life is now part of the devil's family. They're actually his offspring. Well, I gotta see that I gotta see that in scripture. Me too. Let's go together then. Let's go on over here to Ephesians chapter 2. Now, when I found this out later on after becoming a Christian and getting into the Word of God, that before Christ I was a part of the devil's kingdom and that the devil was my daddy, whoo, I'm going, man, I'm glad I discovered Jesus. Amen. Look at this with me. Ephesians 2.1. Why are we talking about this tonight? Why, why am I talking to Christians about this tonight? I, I was wondering that myself. I, I think this is 
I think all of you know these things tonight. And, and, and you guys out there, right, Sharon? You know these things. Why are we talking about it? Because there's a lot of people that don't have an understanding of what hell is and why someone would go there. You hear people saying, well, you know, if, if God really loves us, why would he send someone to hell? Every one of us has heard people say that, right? Or you've heard other people say, well, God's so good, nobody will go to hell. But when you, when you and I begin discovering the truth, then it, it, just, it just makes sense. Look here, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. I'm going to read this from the, the women's version, the Amplified. So hang in there with me. It might be a little bit different than what your, your uh, <clears throat> translation says. And you, talking about humanity, he, he made you alive when you were spiritually dead. This is talking about the new birth. This is talking about being born again. You were dead and separated from him because of your transgressions and sins in which you once walked. You were following the ways of this world. You were influenced by this present age in accordance with the prince of the power of the air. Then in parentheses it says Satan. We would say the devil. So we were once in accordance or in agreement or a part of the prince of the power of the air. Remember how the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 4.4 that, that the devil is the god of this world? Well, that's who the prince of the power of the air is, the devil. He's the spirit who is now at work in the disobedient and unbelieving who fight against the purposes of God. Now, this is what I want you to see in verse 3. Among these unbelievers, we were all, how many of us? All once lived in the passions of our flesh, our behavior governed by the sinful self, that's that fallen sin nature, indulging the desires of a human nature without the Holy Spirit and the impulses of a sinful mind. Now check this out. Get your highlighter out. Amplify this so you see it. We were by nature, this was our very nature, we were the children. The who? The children under the sentence of God's wrath like the rest of mankind. So when we receive that fallen nature and God's life was removed from our spirit, we actually were born into the devil's kingdom. And we, became, we, we received his nature and we became a part of his kingdom. Now, we may not have been directly serving him. 
Obviously, we weren't offering him sacrifices and, and all those kinds of things. But spiritually speaking, because we were separated from God, we automatically went into that kingdom, which was void of life. Because we had no life in us, or no God's life inside of us. Now, this is why salvation is God's greatest gift. Because it's salvation through redemption that gives you and I eternal life. Haven't we quoted that scripture all our life? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believeth in him shall not perish. That perish means going to that place called hell, that place of eternal torment he shall not perish but have what eternal life now understand that eternal life is not how long you're going to live because we were already going to live forever anyway we're all eternal spirit beings either with god's life on the inside our spirit or without it so jesus came to give us eternal life we saw that over in John chapter 10, verse 10. It was the thief that cometh but to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus says, I have come that you might have what? Life. Did you ever think about salvation not just meaning forgiveness? If salvation was only forgiveness, we'd still go to hell because we still have a fallen sin nature. Forgiveness does not resurrect us. We needed resurrection. We needed that which was dead to be brought back to life. And that's what salvation is, among the most important things. Okay? So salvation through redemption, God's greatest gift, it gives us eternal life. It delivers us from the kingdom of darkness, which is huge. And then we become assured of going to heaven when we leave earth. Oh, hallelujah. How many of you want some scriptural proof of all this? I got one. Do I have another? Thanks, honey. Go to Colossians 1.12. We're just about done, guys. And I say that just to wake you up. It's amazing that people seem to pay, pay more attention when they think the, the service is closing than when they think it's going to keep on going on. So I just wanted to give you that wake-up call there. <laughs> Colossians 1.12. Now remember, salvation or the new birth also encompasses leaving the fallen kingdom of darkness where everyone's going to go to that place reserved for them in hell and brings you into God's kingdom where you have eternal life and you're on your way to heaven because now you're a part of heaven. You're in that kingdom. Look what it says here. We give thanks. This is from the New King James. Giving thanks unto the Father who has qualified us to be a partaker of the inheritance 
of the saints in light. So this is talking about you and I being qualified to enter into God's kingdom. It's called the kingdom of light or the kingdom of his dear son. In doing that, in verse 13, he has delivered you. He did what? He delivered me. Well, if he delivered me, I must have been there in order for him to deliver me from it. He delivered me from what? The power or the kingdom of darkness. I had no clue when I was without Christ that I was a part of the devil's kingdom. Right? I didn't have a bumper sticker on the back, you know, with an upside down cross. I, I mean, you know, I didn't do any animal sacrifices. But you see, it was the condition of my heart. It was the condition, that, that separation from God that caused me to be in his kingdom. And he conveyed or he placed us into the kingdom. Oh, hallelujah. Of his dear son of love. In whom we have, there's that word, we have what? Redemption. Through his blood. The forgiveness of sins. This is really the the number one reason why God purchased our redemption. Because if he hadn't, there's no way that he could have delivered us from that fallen state in that kingdom of darkness and causing us to be born into his kingdom of light and life. And that's why it's his greatest gift. Let's read this verse of scripture. Go to the epistle of John, 1 John, go to the 5th chapter. And this is the record. I love that, that confidence, that being so emphatic. This is, this is like Joe Friday saying, this is the truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God. Right? In that monotone voice he had. This is the record. This is the way it is. Nothing's going to change it. God has given to us eternal life. And remember that eternal life is why we were separated from him. We were void of his life. Salvation is giving, imparting that life back into us through resurrection. The Resurrection of our spirit and the new birth. And where is this eternal life? It's in his son. That's Jesus. Now look at verse 12. He that has the son has what? He has life. Verse 12. 1 John 5. He that has the Son has life. And he that has not the Son, he doesn't have life. Isn't that plain? Am I good enough for God? That has nothing to do with it. Your behavior has nothing to do with it. The question is, do I have Jesus? What do you mean have Jesus? You invited him into your life. 
received him as your Savior, confessed him as Lord, believing that he raised, that God raised him from the dead and has purchased for you eternal life. Do you have them? And the answer can only, can only be either you do or you don't. Amen? And we determine that, right? These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know, that you may know, that you may know. You have no idea how many Christians have been interviewed and, and asked the question, are you going to heaven? I sure hope so. Well, it doesn't say if you have the Son, you hope so. Right? Well, I'll just have to go there and find out. Well, then probably you don't have them. <laughs> right? Are you going to heaven? I sure hope so. And my toes are crossed too. No, he says we can know so. We have no so salvation. I never lay awake at night wondering if I'm going to make it to heaven. I'm already a part of heaven. And so are you if Jesus is in your heart. You're of his kingdom. You're a child of God. You can't go anywhere else. There's nobody standing at the gate of heaven. Like religion teaches you. St. Peter's not up there. He's not the keeper of the gate. Jesus is, right? And when you have Jesus... As soon as he sees you, he's wrapping his hands or his arms around you like two gooey band-aids. Right? Just like the, the father of the prodigal son. He's looking for you. Because he knows you're coming. He, for goodness sake, he's preparing a place for us. Why would you prepare a place for us if we weren't going? Religion just doesn't make any sense. It's just, it's just a bunch of mumbo-jumbo. Actually, it's just a bunch of not knowing what the Word of God says. That's what religion is. We know that we have eternal life, that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. We already read John 3.16. Can I pass over that? All right. I want to make a statement. How many of you love my statements? This is where I'm trying to say, hey, get a hold of this, all right? Believe this. This is important. Amen. This is one of the reasons why we did this whole service tonight was to get up to this statement. You could make a bumper sticker about this. All right? Or you could rent an airplane with a big old banner behind it and just pull it across the front range. You ready? God, everybody say God. I said God has never sent one person to hell. Yet you and I hear that all the time, don't we? God never commissioned, God never made the decision, God never chose to send anyone to hell because hell is a place reserved for his enemy and his kingdom, the devil. I, it just rubs me the wrong way <laughs> when people belign and, and say false things about our Father God. 
as if he decides whether somebody goes to hell or not. He has, he made that decision a long time ago when he sent Jesus that nobody was going to go. Okay? How do I wrap my brain around that? Well, we're going to read a scripture that, that's going to help us. I also want to make this statement. We're having fun now. Two statements in one night. Woohoo! No one in hell is solely there because they only disobeyed God. No one's in hell because they stole a Snickers bar from 7-Eleven. The gold standard of candy bars. Snickers. Write that down. They're the best. They got everything that you want to sustain life. They got chocolate. It's got caramel. It's got peanuts, for goodness sake. And a little nougat in there, you know, just to kind of keep things rolling. Love Snickers bars. Woo! You want to know the only reason for an individual to forfeit what Jesus purchased for them and to go to hell. Ready? Not receiving Jesus, eternal life. Not receiving the cure for our separation from God is the only reason for a person to go to hell. Didn't we just read that? He that has the Son has life. He that doesn't have the Son has not life. Whose choice is that? God's? <laughs> not even close. Do you remember what, what God said over in Deuteronomy? He says, I set before you both life and death. Choose life. We got an open book test down here. It's an open book. Even I can pass a test like that. It's an open book. <laughs> Woo! I choose life. And in order to do that, I choose Jesus. Let me say this again. Here's the only reason someone will forfeit what God has provided for them in receiving eternal life in heaven. This is the only reason that you miss out is by not receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I think I need a scripture for that. Let's finish with this scripture. John chapter 16, verse 8. John, this is big John, this is the gospel according to John because there's so many chapters. Chapter 16, go to verse 8. This is an awesome scripture. Now it begins by saying, and when he is come. So what's this talking about? This is talking about the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus said, prior to this 8th verse, he says, I have to go away so that I can send to you the Comforter. So this is Jesus before he ascended on high. He says, one of the main reasons I'm leaving the earth is not only to sit down at the right hand of God, but I can't send the Holy Spirit unless I go. 
So now he's talking about the Holy Spirit. When he is come, the Holy Spirit is going to do three things. Everybody say one, two, three. Number one, he's going to reprove the world of sin. And he's about to define what the Holy Spirit is calling sin. He's going to reprove the world of sin. He's going to reprove the world of righteousness. And he's going to reprove the world with judgment. He's going to reprove sin, righteousness, and judgment. What sin are you going to reprove the world of? Don't tell a lie. He says he's going to reprove it, verse 9, of sin because they believe not on me. The Holy Spirit is the representative of Jesus Christ. That's the one that's taking his place. He now is the representative of Jesus Christ on the earth. So what is the only sin that will cause you to miss heaven and go to hell? Because you don't believe on Jesus. He's going to reprove the world of righteousness because I go to my Father. And see me no more and of judgment. Who's he going to judge? He's going to judge the prince of this world, which is the devil. <coughs> now, I might have misspoke here. I think this is Jesus, when Jesus has come. But how many of you know that in his stead, before he gets here, we know by the Holy Spirit what sin is and what is righteousness and who's going to get judged? Amen. Next time, next time, we're going to see how God was able to purchase redemption. This just happened to get thrown in today when I came here, and that's what I believe he had me prepare. Amen? Amen. Do you have a confidence in your salvation? Do you have Jesus in your heart? Now, I know that there's people all over the world that you have access to this this video, this teaching. I don't know your, your place. I, I don't know where you're at spiritually speaking. I trust that you've already bowed your knee to Jesus. But understand that the most important thing that you and I have to do on this earth is not just simply to believe in Jesus. How many of you know that even the devil believes in Jesus and he's not going to heaven? So believing is not enough. You got to believe not only in Jesus, but you got to believe in what he did as God in flesh. Jesus is God. He's not just a good person. He's not just a prophet. He's not just somebody that's been popularized by this book. He's God the Son that was placed in humanity in flesh so he could represent you and I. 
had to pay the price, but God had to do it through man. And that's why God sent Jesus as a man. Do you believe that he died for you? Do you believe he was raised from the dead? And most importantly, have you invited him in to your heart? Or are you just trusting in your being a, a goody two-shoes, a good person to get to heaven? No. Good morals doesn't change a dead spirit. It takes resurrection. Only God has resurrection. So you've got to bring him into your heart to be raised from the dead. Say this with me. I believe in Jesus. I believe he's God in flesh. I believe he hung on the cross for me. And he was raised from the dead. Jesus, come into my life. Come into my heart. I call you Lord. I call you Savior. Savior. And therefore, I have the Son. I'm born again. My past is erased. And my future is bright. Because when I leave this earth, I'm going to heaven. Let's thank him now for responding to that. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for saving me now. If that's something you did for the first time, you need to tell somebody about it. You need to confess Jesus before another person. That way Jesus can confess you before his Father. And that will begin to solidify what took place. Understand you just received a spiritual birth. Your outer man is still the same. Your mind is still the same. Now you got to work on getting your mind to think like God. They call that renewal. That's just getting the word of God and believing it, understanding it with your mind. And then start reigning in your body to act like Jesus. Amen? Amen. You're on your way to heaven. Now you need to grow spiritually. Find yourself a good church. What's a good church? Well, they let the Bible speak. They teach from the Bible. Amen? And they believe the whole Bible, whereas some people say the full gospel. Find a church like that that believes in God healing the ills of the body, that believes in the work of the Holy Spirit in their midst, and that includes being baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues. That's when you found a real church, a church that's like the early church. Amen. That's where you need to be. That's where you'll grow. That's where you'll be able to serve. And that's where you're going to be able to show others around you that you're serious. Amen. Well, Father, thank you for tonight. We thank you for all that you're doing. <laughs> and I'm so glad I'm saved. Not because I'm special, but I believed in you and received you. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.